0: Welcome to episode 19 of the Cincy Postcast. We've got a three-parter for you. In part one, we're talking that New England Revolution draw, plus the emergence of Brenner. What happens from here? Is uh, is FC Cincinnati a, a contender? Are we allowed to ask that question? In part two, we have Cheyenne from Between Clean Sheets on a fantastic soccer content producer and influencer and all around huge MLS fan a fantastic conversation with her and in part three we have your questions we put it out there on twitter you asked us questions and we did our best to give you the answers that you deserved all of that and more is going to be your postcast episode 19. And joining me is the regular crew. We're back in action here. We've got the Chief War Pig here. Chief, how was glamping this weekend?
1: Uh, I mean, the glamping part reminded me, whenever I go camping or glamping, or whatever you want to call it, I'm reminded <laughs> that I'm entirely too old to be camping. And not to flex, but I don't make minimum wage anymore. So it's like, I should just get a hotel room. My back, <laughs> My back needs it. I'm tur- I'm getting old.
0: Oh, see, I just bought a hammock tonight because I have dreams and hopes of going camping uh, sometime this year. So, uh, get an um, air
1: mattress. That's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's treat yourself to an air mattress. That's my takeaway from camping this weekend.
0: <laughs> oh, and joining us, uh, back he missed last week. Das Harks filled in quite nicely. We've got Grayson. Grayson, when's the last time you went camping?
2: Uh, I actually go camping a few times a year. Let's see, the Ooh. last time I went camping was—well, actually, probably not since last uh, July. Okay. In uh, Oregon.
0: Wow, I, I knew there was a twist with Grayson and—and and camping in Oregon it was about as close as I could get to it. So that was good. <laughs>
1: I mean, you don't have to be—you don't have to be on vacation to camp in Oregon. There's a lot of people who just camp full time out there. I think, right? <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not like that. Not like that. No, I just meant hippies in the woods. No, no. Uh, That was not a homeless joke. That was not a homeless joke.
0: (laughs) We we veered real close, and I know two weeks ago we we started off hot with a a 9 11 joke. So we we really got to pace ourselves here tonight. (laughs) That was a hippies
1: Um, in the woods joke. Disavow. Disavow. A a
0: VW bus. Uh, No, there was a great game that we got to watch. Uh, New England Revolution FC Cincinnati, one of the more exciting games in MLS this past weekend. Um, It was a fun one. Uh, Matt Doyle pointing this one out. uh, Both teams missing their defensive midfielders. Uh, It allowed for a a far more open, free-flowing game. Um, I'll kind of throw it out there to, to whoever wants to jump on this first, but uh reactions thoughts what what was what was the thought on on watching that game?
1: I mean, the first thought was it would be nice if Waboto was not so much a machine at picking yellow cards up. I mean <laughs> the man's been a great signing, yeah. but he is the most reliable dude to pick a yellow card up just about every match and it's going to be a problem in terms of FC Cincinnati's defense if he can't be out there more often, but no. my instant gut reaction to this game, which I had to watch back because this is going to shock you, a 70,000-seat amphitheater in the middle of nowhere it doesn't get the greatest cell phone reception in the world in terms huh. of streaming a match, but um, <laughs> I, I, what I took away from this game was that there were long stretches where FC Cincinnati didn't just play well. They played better than New England, but they also went to sleep a couple of times. They conceded two goals that they probably won't be happy to watch back in terms of the replay of the match. And the the other takeaway I had watching this was just, it feels like that's what the games have been this year, is it's been up moments for FC Cincinnati where they they look really good, and then some defensive lapses where they concede. I, I just don't feel like I've seen them play yet. A full match at that speed that I think they're capable of, where there were like stretches in this game where they dominated possession, they were pinging passes around, created some really good scoring opportunities. I'm I'm just waiting for that game to be played where they play like that an entire match, and I think the result could be pretty incredible. So,
2: yeah. So on MLS After Dark, Charlie Davies said that this team was probably by this team. I mean, I mean FC. Was probably two defensive pieces away from being Eastern Conference champion quality, and I I, I think that's probably about right. Um, and I don't I don't know that we need to belabor that point. Um, I think if we had a healthy Junior Moreno, yes. we would we would feel Loboto's absence a little bit less. Um, the Kubo-Cruz ba- pairing had some interesting moments. Cruz actually had like a pretty high rating on both. Uh, Fop mob and who scored so maybe whoever's thinking about um, picking up his salary is uh, was was watching that game. You know we had uh, we had Cruz, Kubo, and and Brenner all out there on the shop window uh, in the starting lineup that game.
1: Um, and uh, and Kubo when he played it was just before I force not to interrupt but like when Kubo plays he plays like a character from the old NES World Cup game where he just goes straight ahead. There is no side to side motion, there is no looking to offload the ball. There were like a half dozen times this game where he was just, "Well, I'm going to hold the B button down and put it directly towards the other goal and run as fast as I can." And shockingly it worked a few times just cuz I think New England was stunned that someone would decide to just Leroy Jenkins right at him with the ball. I don't yes. know.
2: <laughs> there was one like 5 minutes in where yes. Kubo made a like messy run. Yes. And he just lost the ball in the box when he had Lucho right behind him. Ugh. I mean, I don't I guess I don't I don't know what Kubo saw and I don't know if there was some if his like foot was was a little weird, that he couldn't really make that pass, but it really just felt like he almost could have just overran the ball and it would have been right in front of Lucho uh for, yeah. for, for a goal.
1: But CJ C. McCollum on pardon my take had a great way to describe this. He said sometimes you just run out of talent. Like, you can do (laughs) four or five different incredible things, and then you get to a point where it's, all right, I'm out of talent. There's nothing left that I've got here. And that was kind of like Kubo's runs in this game, where he would string together four or five really nifty little moves to get around people and hit the sprint button, get past another guy, and then run out of talent, and there was just nothing left to do with the ball, but turn it over.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I really – for Cruz, I really liked that little – uh lob pass he he gave to Vasquez in the box at one mm-hmm. point that I mean it would have been a pretty impressive finish, but I mean it was a dangerous pass like something was something was there uh and then you got to give Cruz credit for winning the tackle and setting up the uh, brenner goal
0: yeah i i like I like that midfield as well because it was an interesting insight into like what the night camp era was maybe supposed to be. Where it was like, oh right, it, Kubo and and Cruz were DPs, our DPs, on this team, and you really forget that a lot of times. That we're uh, trying,
1: trying, to forget right,
0: that. right, trying, trying to forget real that. hard. No, and I, I, I was texting old uh, Andrew Prenovic, uh during this game, before the game in particular. Said like, I, I really hope Kubo's hungry for this one. He hasn't played in a while. And then yeah, after that run, it was like, all right, Kubo's up for this. He's, he's feeling <laughs> this game. This is good. He hasn't lost his his, uh, his edge yet, which is nice. Um, yeah, I I liked Cruz in this. I thought he looked good. I I don't if I were the Colorado Rapids. I'd, I'd throw a trade out there,
2: you know why not? I mean, they have a hole in in their midfield coming up when Mark Anthony K goes to Toronto FC. And let's be and real, there's a,
1: there's a, any number of MLS teams that are coming in under the salary cap and aren't yep. using all of their discretionary spend on their tricky Don fun bucks. Where Cruz would be an upgrade, and for those teams, they're not making a sacrifice to acquire him because it's open salary sp- uh, spot and it's owner money spend on bringing in a contract like him. He is an upgrade to someone that wants to deploy him properly and wants to give him minutes. I mean, part of his problem is just that he's simply been lapped on the roster by better players at this point, but there's still a there there with yeah. him. He was still a, a a decent signing and a signing that was lauded when he was made. Um, he's probably a little overpaid right now, but... It's not your money, and for a lot of these teams, they've got the space to add a contract like that.
2: Yeah, Colorado was a great, great shot by Kevin there because they kind of specialize in those distressed assets, and mm-hmm. uh, their D, their DPS tend to come in right around Cruz's salary. Um, that kind of mid-level slash mid-high TAM uh, yeah. uh, range, and like and I said, you know there was. I don't know if it's gone through yet. I haven't been on Twitter in like 30 minutes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was that – they were saying that uh, Toronto is looking to trade for Mark Anthony K. So right. And know. it sounded
0: – yeah, it sounded like there were youth prospects heading back the other way, which Cruz would fit in nicely into a starting role while you waited for those youth products to, to come online in the next year or so.
2: And to borrow yeah. a basketball term, I think Cruz is an expiring contract.
1: Yeah, I think he's done after this year. I don't think that he has any more years left. Or at least I've seen a couple people that have said that online that I have no reason to doubt.
0: Yeah. I even wondered, too, I have no idea if the MLS rules allow this, but you could have FC Cincinnati eat some of his contract this year and they could offset that with some GAM. Well I'm not entirely sure if that's possible, but we're sitting on a boatload of gam and maybe it's more worthwhile to to get that contract off the books while sacrificing some gam to to open up some salary say on the defensive side of things or even at this uh, point just to get a yeah. couple
1: you know maybe some interesting talent for FCC too because God knows that team needs the help.
0: that's actually a good call <laughs> um, is this team? Is this team below average without Obi? Uh, That was a question I kept coming back to. I know it's hard to tell with Moreno being
2: out, but I I don't know. Well, I I don't think so, because New New England's 10 games unbeaten. Um, Fair. You're you're in New England. Um, You know, argue – I mean, definitely looked looked rocky at moments, and the goals, they did not cover themselves in glory, and the ones that they gave up, but – um, you could argue they had the better of it for for stretches, and were probably closer to getting that game-winning goal than New England was.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I I just I another big takeaway I had from this game, and I I put it on Twitter too, was that just what a cheat code this team looks like with all three DPS actually performing. Um, mm-hmm. that you've got. even though he wasn't in this match, he's been very, very good. There was an article that got posted midweek about, last week, about how good he's been in terms of elite level of pressure, elite level of tackles won, um, and Acosta leading MLS and assists, just the trigger man for everything good that happens on this team, and a total pest everywhere on the field. And for the majority of this season, it's been a two-man show where we're getting production out of two out of our three DP spots, but now with Brenner performing, this is when we talked about earlier in the year, this team had another gear to hit if suddenly all three of the DPs started performing versus 66%. So when when you ask that question, is this team below average with Wobodo, DPs are like force multipliers. So I'd make the argument that without Wobodo, this is probably a below average team, but he also with them moves them up from just regular average to above average I think if that makes sense like that's how much a difference it means to have all three of your DPs performing two contract expectations and on the field at the same time
2: yeah but if you have I mean this is not this is this is a tough question in part because this hasn't been true most of the season but like if Loboto's well, not on the field but Brenner Vasquez and Lucho are all healthy and playing well then this is not remotely below average. Team. Yeah, Bre- Brenner, Vasquez, and Lucho all on their game, is, and yeah. I think uh, they said this on extra time today. That's one of the, that's one of the best, most exciting attacks in MLS.
0: Yeah, I, I do want to talk about, I mean, there's no there's no avoiding it, the the resurgence of Brenner. I even hesitate to say resurgence, the surgence of Brenner, as he has never really performed for FC Cincinnati in one and a half seasons, but I was uh, uh, doing a little digging on all FB ref. If you look at expected goals plus expected assists across all of MLS, FC Cincinnati is fourth. In the league, if you're looking at non penalty expected goals and expected assists, they're fifth. Like, we have one of the most exciting offenses, and this is only with what two and a half games of good Brenner. If we have DP level Brenner and Vasquez and Lucho, I mean, we're looking at one of the best, like, offenses MLS has ever seen, bar none. Like if if all of these guys are threats for hat tricks every single match, I there there's no defense that can take away three three firepower all stars like that. I I don't know that the emergence of Brenner has been so exciting for me that I'm I'm fully on board with just keep him. Th- yeah, but this see, is here's, it.
1: Here's the problem though, <laughs> and not to like not to throw cold water on anything, but I, I really I do. I can use it. All right. Here's, here's the, the, the thing I'm worried about, though, is, is the surgence, as you put it, which I, I love. I love that. <laughs> uh, it, it's like my favorite thing to say about something is, well, it, I'm very whelmed by that. I'm neither overwhelmed yes. nor <laughs> underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. Is the surgence of Brenner, because he has turned the corner in this league and this is what we're going to see from him going forward, or is this Brenner being told by his agent, being told by people that you have to play your way off this team. And the motivating factor is to get sent in this window, and that's what's causing the surgence, as you put it. Because those are two very, very different things in terms of how sustainable what we're watching is.
2: Yeah, Two two things on that. One is, if he plays his way off the team, then we will have reaped at least some of the benefit of of that. And then we'll reap the benefit of having his open DP spot and recouping more, you know. I guess an acceptable level of his transfer fee. Um, two, you know, it's very possible that it starts as him trying to play his way off the team, and then he's happier. He's scoring. The team is winning. Everybody's getting along, and suddenly he decides he doesn't hate it here that much.
1: Winning. Which, to be fair, we don't even know that he hates it here. It's just <laughs> right. That's true. We're, we're just we're I, fit he slept online. in one time. I don't know. <laughs> you have to really love your bed to sleep in. I mean, that's just that's a sign of a man that loves his surroundings, loves his bedroom, possibly with a sleep number bed. You know, just really feeling it on the whole. My home is my castle thing.
0: I'm trying to think if you're what is he, 21, 22 years old, making I think he's own, 22 now, 22 making. I think he's a
2: 2000.
0: Yeah, okay. year. So he's making about a million dollars a year. I'm going to go ahead and guess he doesn't have a lot of student debt in his life. Like, that, the quality of bed that he can afford is just <laughs> what I'm thinking about right now. It's a pretty high-quality bed.
1: Beats the, the hell out of the futon I day. was sleeping on. Jesus.
0: <laughs> oh, I remember I upgraded futons. That's where I was in my life. <laughs> I had a hand-me-down futon. I bought an Ikea one. I was like, all right, remove it up in the world.
1: <laughs> There's going to be few things in life socially that, it, uh, that sort of joins American society, uh, quite like everyone that was born in, we'll say, between like 1980 to 1995, and that futon fold-down couch that turns into a bed.
0: Yes. And yes. having to
1: at least spend one semester, if not a full year, sleeping on something like that. It's something that really its a it's a shared experience we all have together that I feel could unite us more as a nation. It's just talking about how awful the, the, the night's sleep you got was on that.
0: <laughs> the, where's the futon party in right. in American politics? The futon party could do pretty well, I think.
1: You could um, you could certainly get my vote by promising to ban the sale of the futon couch. No one should have to go through that.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um I, I mean, look, if Brenner plays his way off the team, wasn't that the whole point? Like, he has... Like, the the whole point of Brenner was t- for him to catch fire and to sell him to some middling team in France that uh, overspends to the point of a complete financial ruin.
1: Oh, I, I don't disagree <laughs> that that's a, that's a positive outcome in the the totality for FC Cincinnati. I'm just saying that if we are looking at this team and the question is, is this attack that we're talking about of Brenner, Vasquez, Lucho, is this something you can see the club riding to a playoff spot or dare we even chance to dream a home playoff game? Well if this is if this is all a product of Brenner being told, Hey, get your game up and we'll get you out of here in the next window, then maybe, you know, as as Grayson has said before, we'll get a boatload of gam and a lot of resources, but GAM doesn't score goals, money doesn't score goals, players score goals. And selling Brenner, while it might benefit the club in the long term, you know, if if you're dreaming of that future of Brenner scoring hat tricks alongside Vasquez, if his number one priority is to get out, and his agent is trying to get him out, and he's been promised he can get out if he plays better, then that sort of alters the calculus as to what this team looks like going forward. And again, this is total speculation. I have no idea what it is that makes Brenner tick for all we know or for all I know he could legitimately just be figuring this league out a little better and finally have some some confidence and some regular minutes now and it's led to this but it, it it is an interesting thought to have given the rumors that he both wanted out and was being shopped out at some point very recently
2: yeah this also feels like a short term versus long term kind of decision because you know let's say they they think that Brenner could just keep this up the rest of the year, right? Well, that's very exciting, and but I, I but then I don't know what room they have to add defensively, right? And so, like you know, maybe you can make the playoffs with with a top tier attack and a you know, hopefully your defense a little less below average, but. Um, <clears throat> but then you know, I mean, ultimately, you're going to want to have more balance. I think front to back. Yeah,
0: I I think it's interesting too to think about like Vasquez's contract. It's prob is probably coming up, right? Isn't that what we've decided? I it's think there's I think there's an
2: option here.
0: Okay, if there's an option, I feel like they're absolutely executing it. Yeah, the big, that'll it, well, be and fa- renegotiate
1: the, him, right? Right. That'll be the fastest yeah. anyone has ever executed an option to keep him around for another year at this rate.
0: Right, right. But if you had to decide now, so you were you were staring down a blackett esque uh, deadline here, would you keep? Would you sign Vasquez to a DP contract, or would you keep Brenner on his deal? I think that's tr- that's weirdly trickier in my mind, because you know Brenner's younger. Not that not that Vasquez is old, but Brenner's definitely younger. Brenner probably has the higher ceiling, and you've already got him under contract. Vasquez, you let Brenner walk in in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like you give Brenner or you give Vasquez Brenner's contract. You give him that nice big boatload of money. If he slides back a little bit and regresses, as we've kind of seen this last month, I know he was kind of hurt. I, I almost wonder if Vasquez is the bigger question mark
1: of oh, I don't the think, two of them. I mean, no, I don't know that that's the case, but I, I disagree that he slid back. I mean, he yep. was a, he was a, bl- a hair blade or a hair follicle away from being awarded that goal, which let me just (laughs) just true. the own own goal rule is one of the dumbest rules in soccer. If you force a defender into a mistake because of an outstanding play that you made, you should get credit for that goal. That goal belongs to Vasquez. He was in a perfect position to score. He jumps. If he didn't get his head on the ball, which I'm not entirely convinced he didn't, he forces the defender into that mistake. To take that effort and that goal away from him at the discretion of an official scorer somewhere, someone sitting up in a booth somewhere, is bullshit. That's mm. bullshit. It's a boring yeah, rule. It doesn't make the league more entertaining. It I'm doesn't make it. the game more fun. Give the goal to the person that causes the fuck-up. Oh,
0: I'll, I'll co-sign this 100%. Because keep in mind, MLS is the league that makes up their own assist rules. Mm-hmm. And it boosts players' stats. I'm with you. I, I'm in. I'm in now. Right. MLS should absolutely be doing this. At a minimum, the player who forces the own goal should be awarded an assist. Yeah. I mean, you should be able to assist an own goal.
2: Vasquez did literally everything he needed to do to score there, except for touch the ball. And that's like I don't know. And like, again,
1: I'm not well, really going to hold people to that
2: standard. <laughs> I don't think. He, I don't think he touched the ball, but like. What are we asking for? Don't let, you know, perfect be the enemy of good here.
0: Yes. And if MLS can give Vasquez another goal, it increases his value, maybe he gets sold to Chivas, maybe he gets sold to Europe, and it's another export, because he has another goal on his tally. And a lazy GM or sporting director somewhere in Germany is just going to see the top-line numbers really big, and they're going to sign that guy. Or they're
1: going to watch the (laughs) highlight right there and think, well, obviously (laughs) he got his head on the ball because they awarded him a goal right there. It's like the Garfield without Garfield comic that's online. Like, if you remove Vasquez from that picture, that goal doesn't get scored. At all.
2: Right. right, 100%. He
1: he is an instrumental (laughs) actor in scoring that goal. (laughs) He should be awarded the goal. So he should have scored that goal. And then he had one of the best XG chances to score, according to the chart, when he uh, got that rebound right in front of goal and Mm. did a jumping tap-in that the keeper just happened to be in a great position to to stop right there. Uh, Vasquez, he's looked great Even in the games that he's not scoring. Um, So I don't don't buy the idea that Vasquez has regressed. I think that the lack of goals from Vasquez has a lot more to do with the fact that there are a lot of other players that are just in great form. And he doesn't have to be Superman. He poses like Superman when he scores, (laughs) but he doesn't have to be Superman on this team because there are so many great options to score. I mean, you've even got, we've stopped talking about him a little bit, but Barial is still playing really, really well. Lucho is playing really well. Um, So there's a lot of options to score on this team. The original question, would you give him Brenner's money? I I don't know that I would, just because I think the ceiling is, you know, as down as I've been on Brenner, the ceiling is unquestionably higher for Brenner. Right. Um, But this is one of those things they call it a good problem to have. This is a good problem to have when you're debating between which of these two strikers that are scoring boatloads of goals and getting in dangerous positions which one deserves the bigger contract i sure as shit prefer that problem to the (laughs) we haven't scored a goal in six seven games problem that we've had in previous (laughs) years with this team
0: yeah multiple times in previous years and yeah it's not quite the uh the quarterback conundrum right if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks if you have two strikers you have two strikers, and you should be fucking thrilled that you have two really good strikers. Uh, Grace, I, mean, I, I wouldn't. Guess, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs>
1: trade Brenner or Vasquez right now for the, for Bo, the uh, the DP in New England. I wouldn't trade no. him for e- either one of them for him, in terms no. of how they perform. They're performing.
0: I I'd agree with that, Gracing. You've you've been the uh, the stalwart Brenner defender. I. I'm kind of shocked that you're not taking more of a victory lap tonight, but um <laughs> you didn't get to last week, but what would you what would you do i i'm gonna keep this hypothetical I'm gonna press you on this uh would you give Vasquez brenner's d p deal or are you still all in on on Brenner's potential if that meant letting go of Vasquez this year?
2: oh boy yeah i think i would i think I would stick with Brenner if it meant letting go with Vasquez just because um, you're, you're not solving any problem in my view by losing Brenner and then making Vasquez a DP.
0: I see. Yeah. You know,
2: like worst case scenario there. Yeah. Um, or pessimistically, you have another striker who's not a DP taking it, taking a DP spot up. Hmm. Um, but you know, to to change the premise of the question, I I don't think you need to make Vasquez a DP to keep him. No, um, I mean if there's if there's an option, I think you well, yeah, could pick up yeah. the option, and then you can you could negotiate him, you know, to some type of TAM, uh, yeah, my, ex- extension or something.
0: My hypothetical was assuming the the worst case scenario where there's no option out there. He's a unrestricted free agent, and you're bidding against a Liga MX side or a desperate
2: MLS team who needs to make a splash. Yeah, I'm not accepting that 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 question. Fair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will say, in this hypothetical question, it would be very interesting to not only hear Chris Albright's answer to this question, I would be very interested to hear, we don't mention his name anymore because he's not meddling, but a certain man that last name rhymes with uh, Herding, and (laughs) the man he reports to that has a number in his name, because it it, it goes back to a conversation we had with uh, Reuter uh, a bunch of months ago, about how MLS, it's so hard for MLS to develop stars yeah. and star players, and Vasquez, if you're, if you're looking from a marketing point of view, with an MLS team, or even MLS as a league, there is very, there are very few players that are young in this league that should excite you more than Brandon Vasquez, as a dual national that can appeal to a lot of different audiences that might be interested in MLS, um, goal scorer which is always a life hack when it comes to people picking their favorite player. Um, Really, really, from everything I've seen, personable guy. That's not to say Brenner isn't. We just haven't seen him as much in terms of being in front of the camera. Um, It would be very interesting to me to pick the brains of the people who make these decisions from a business point of view, because if you're trying to build a, a team around a star player, there are a lot worse you can do than Brandon Vasquez Is the guy that's on the game program... That's on the email that you send out to sell season tickets, and it's on all your advertising material. Yeah, well, he should declare for Mexico then, right? He <laughs> absolutely should <laughs> because
2: he's not going to be more. He's not going to get more famous or marketable getting an appearance with the national with the U.S. national team. I'm sorry, like he's already, you know, the people who are just U.S. fans but not MLS fans are just going to complain that he's getting called in over like Daryl DK or Josh Sargent or somebody
0: <laughs> over point. in Europe,
2: and people in MLS like already know him. And you know he's probably about as famous in MLS circles as as he could get, unless he declares for a football-hungry national team that actually makes their players stars and, and gets called in by Tata. Or how about how about yes. this? How
1: about this right here? If you're MLS, if you're the league office, don't you kind of want him to declare for Mexico? Yes, just because obviously. that's a. That's a demographic that you have tried so hard to break in with. That's been tough because, you know, not telling anyone things they don't already know, but the majority of the Mexican and Spanish-speaking audience in this country already follows their home clubs back home. They're not adopting MLS teams like they thought they would when they put teams in markets like Houston and Dallas and and down in the Southwest. But having a young Mexican national team, goal-scoring talent, that has just affected the Mexico. That's a bleed over star potentially between those two leagues. I would think the league office would would kind of they'd never say it publicly, but they'd have to welcome that, right?
0: i'll do I'll do you one better. Vasquez commits to Mexico the week before the Chivas friendly and transfers to Chivas, plays one half for FC Cincinnati, one half for Chivas. It's like the Brandon Vasquez testimonial, scores for both teams. I mean, this is the the superstar in the making. The hype gets him all the way to the World Cup, scores a goal in the World Cup. That's it, man. He's off and running.
2: That doesn't do anything for MLS, though.
0: Or FC Cincinnati. But boy, would it be good for his NFT collection. I right. mean, it would yeah. be... So,
1: this is how you know, even though they won't give him a photo credential, uh, this is how you know Kevin really is a real journalist, is he's rooting for the story. He's not rooting for the team.
0: <laughs> how hype would that, that friendly be all of a sudden? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it uh,
1: would
0: It would actually matter. Uh-
2: <laughs> speaking of that of that Vasquez rebound, yes. um, I just want to say, like... I am so so cranky that uh, New England replaced Matt Turner with some random Serbian guy, like international <laughs> keeper. That they, they brought him in, and he's like really really good. He's really right? good. Yeah. <laughs> like like not only did he make some some really incredible saves that match, um, but he also you know he played that ball in. Um, that essentially led to the that line breaking pass that that led to their first goal that that you know Hagelin couldn't couldn't do anything about.
1: It yeah. is infuriating um, that when we go to the bench it's for Kenneth Vermeer when they go to the bench it's for this guy that ends up being a superstar. <laughs> we
2: brought in we brought in how we brought in like two separate international keepers and they combined to be the worst keeper in the history of MLS.
0: <laughs> yes. And
2: yes. New England just finds some random guy from Serbia. And pays him two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars and oh, oh we, we we are not missing a beat from losing Matt Turner to Arsenal. <laughs>
0: so I, I literally wrote this down before the episode and the way the conversation was going, I didn't think we'd get there, but we got there. So I gotta ask both of you who plays first for FC Cincinnati, you know, going forward, this point on, Khan
1: or Vermeer? I
0: I don't know right now. What's going
1: on with Khan? Like has I, any, has health any and reporter- safety
2: protocols?
0: Yeah,
1: but like, it like, was health and safety said? protocols. It feels like there's always a reason Alec Kahn isn't on the bench, sort of like he, lurking but behind Roman He was Roman on the bench Salentano.
2: against New York, right? Or against um, Orlando?
0: Against Orlando he was. He was a late scratch against New England, and I think New York he was a late scratch. He had a groin injury for three months that's what is that a 12 week injury what do you buy, somebody
1: buy him a subscription to Pornhub? look what's that's going on with he has monkey pox
0: if you if yeah I, I always think of sports injuries in terms of fantasy football because I'm stupid that way but like if you had like one of your star players out for 12 weeks of the season for an injury, you would say he's a bum you're done with him like you had to cut him a long time ago like I understand soccer's a little different but he's not exactly young he's in his 30s like but this is, also part, this is also part
1: of the reason why uh the NFL is the greatest sports league known to mankind is that it's so not opaque about these things because of gambling yes. where <laughs> the instant a player isn't available you all but have his chart in front of you on Yahoo Fantasy that you can click on where yes. you can read his blood pressure and shit like that and find the- out you know if he's been having night terrors or headaches <laughs> or shit like that every other sports league including mls it's hockey is the worst where it's like what's wrong with him it's a lower body injury lower so body yep the fuck does that mean <laughs> but it is it, it is weird in soccer and this is coming from the perspective of grew up an nfl fan you know still am an nfl fan but that's usually like my go to of where like all my sports or takes are based on at some level the idea that we have players in this league and on this team that go months and we really don't know what's up with them, other than no one has seen them on the training facility when they're allowed to watch from, like you know, from the Mike Castrucci Chevrolet dealership across the street from Mercy right, Health. Right. And we have no idea where the fuck any of these people are. <laughs> like, he, like, at con con could have been in a in, in a prison somewhere serving time, and people would have had yes. no idea. They're
2: gonna they're gonna swap him for Brittany Griner.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so. That's a good point, and it it is frustrating that you can't get, like, any straightforward injury information. Like, where's Junior Moreno? I don't
0: know. He got COVID-2, maybe? (laughs) COVID-2, like the second COVID-2. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) COVID-2, yes. the coveting. <laughs> He's COVID already under the second one. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is very funny. Uh, I do I do still have access to the FCC media notes. Um, and it's very funny. Like Thursday, they'll give you the injury report. You're like, oh, cool. Only two guys are on there. And then game day rolls around and seven guys are out injured. And you know, two are having their knees replaced. And, and one's back home dealing with a family issue. you're like, Really? You didn't know about these two days ago? This all popped up over Friday night. Like, come on! It, it, they very much intentionally hide all of this. And yes, to to Chief's point, I I assume this is all to fix gambling markets in Southeast Asia. So yes, um, I'm, if there's I'm somebody right that's there. somebody
1: that's paying the team for this insider info so that they can log on and make that bet for FC Cincinnati plus two twenty to tie this past weekend.
0: Yeah, a lot of people forget that in the early days of the Premier League, they had a a weird issue with power outages ending matches early, and uh, those matches tended to end early on score lines that had a lot of fucking money running on them in (laughs) Singapore. So, uh, hmm, something to think about there. Yeah, Um,
1: I I, I always just assume it's people in (laughs) pinstripe suits making these decisions very far away from where the field is.
0: Uh, there's there's uh, Macau in particular has done a very good job of making a lot of money and nobody really noticing them. That they, They've slid under the radar. Hong Kong takes all the headlines, Macau's over there just printing cash. Uh- <laughs>
1: isn't that the real American dream at the end of the day? Just to anonymously and quietly make a lot of money. Yes.
0: Um, I think that'll do it for, uh, for part one of uh, some FCC talk, some transfer talk, some good talk there. Uh, Part two, we've got an interview. It's been a little bit since we've got an interview. We've got a fantastic content creator between Clean Sheets coming up. Uh, Really good conversation, far-reaching, really, really fun time. Um, And then in part three, we've got your questions. So if you asked us a question on Twitter that one night we asked everybody, We've got answers. So stick around, enjoy the conversation, and then the Q&A afterwards. Oh, and here we are, part two of the postcast. We've got a special guest. It's been a little bit since we've had a guest on the show. Uh, this is somebody that I have really enjoyed following her content online. Uh, again, if you're if you're one of those folks that lives on Twitter, I don't know if you could have uh, missed uh, our guest here. Uh, but we are joined by Cheyenne of Between Clean Sheets, and uh, Cheyenne, thanks for coming on the postcast tonight.
3: Thank you so very much for having me. I do not take compliments terribly well, but I felt like you were getting ready to say she's chronically online, which is a compliment or a, a fact I would have taken.
0: <laughs> was it was it, it the true. implied thing there? Maybe, you know, I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to confess to anything. Uh,
1: I no, settle
3: I- it here and now. I am chronically online, for better or for worse. <laughs> I
1: mean, if, there's, if there's a theme to life over the last 15 years, it's that we're all chronically online yes. a little too much. Yes, <laughs> yes.
3: yes.
0: Uh, so I guess my, my first question to you has to be uh, the the name is between clean sheets, uh, and I would say as opposed to what. Uh, but I would also throw out there where where did this title where did this name come from where what, how did what where was the spark of genius that came up with this because I love the name.
3: Yes, so I have to give the credit for the actual name itself to my sister in law. My brother and sister in law lived down in Atlanta. They were. Founding members of the Resurgent Supporters Group for Atlanta United, right. big soccer fan. My brother is who got me into the soccer fandom I enjoyed today. But I was looking for something and maybe I was overthinking it. I was looking for something that allowed me the flexibility to post whenever, essentially between games. I didn't want to do a post game analysis. I didn't want to do a Cheyenne on the streets um, type situation. (laughs) So I was just looking for between games, between the, the, the weeks of, of the season. And not that I have ever attempted to be as deadpan or as humorous as Zach Galifianakis, but because between two ferns kind of rolls off the tongue between clean sheets to me rolls off the tongue in that way as well. Now I should say, I, I think I played goalie in AYSO when I was seven.
1: It was not my not my preferred position
3: through high school or college. Um, I don't have a particular affinity for goalkeepers, but I just felt like it sounded great. And that is ninety percent of the battle, as I'm sure you guys can agree. So I went with it.
1: I mean, you're talking to a podcast that was the post. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. Which for talk a about, long like, talk, time I talk about might have been Talk about an, an entity
1: <laughs> Talk about an entity that required zero conscious thought and that we copied <laughs> shamelessly from a half dozen other sources. Yes.
3: That's okay. It's I love the dual meaning and why I mess with something that works, in my opinion.
0: Right, right. I the, the post as well was like we could pretend to be legitimate, which is everything that we've been trying to do here. Yes, I of course. So I, I love I love the name. Um, so I guess I, what is if anybody is not familiar with between clean sheets and the content that you're putting out, yeah what is what is the quick elevator pitch? what What could somebody expect to find on the uh, the YouTube channel or the Instagram?
3: Of course. So the bio on any one of my social media feeds is amateur American soccer vlogger, Chris Wondolowski, apologist. Yes. Um, that is just, <laughs> hey, it hurts my feelings when you talk about USA Belgium. So shut up because it ruins the narrative of the greatest American soccer story. But uh, to explain in brief, it is a a way that I have been able to record and share my experience as an American soccer fan. And I had a conversation actually with the members of our content team for DC United, my home team. And the director of comms and content, digital, et cetera, et cetera, said that he would put me in the, of all the buckets of of followers and fans and people that exist on the internet, he would put me in the social seeker category, which, I wanted to take offense to it first because I thought, but I know soccer so well. However, what I will say does differentiate me from a lot of people in the space right now with how small it is. And you guys understand that I am not um, not looking to be online with any of my analysis or critiques or, or comments on formation, technic- like technical anything, et cetera. Um, yeah, we don't do that either. Yeah, I just like, I don't, I don't want to, I I can't think of a more ladylike phrase, but I do not want to have any sort of dick measuring contest in that way. one, One thing that I've learned from being on Reddit for my most of my college years is that everyone, there's always someone that knows more about you than the thing that you either made your personality or thought you knew the most about or could even have a PhD in. There's always someone on, that knows And when more.
1: you're on Reddit, they're going to tell you that they know more about it immediately. Oh, my gosh, immediately. yes. <laughs> Even if they don't, yeah. Yes. So
3: to combat that kind of uh, issue, I, I had already b- perceived it being an issue. So to preempt it, A, and, and to B, get myself out of the space of, like, woman trying to talk soccer, talk shop, I just decided to show the part that it seems like. Even still after about five years of doing it now, nobody is doing. Nobody's really vlogging themselves enjoying um, uh, soccer. So I've, I felt like it was it was a good idea from the start. I'm just in the process of trying to be more consistent about posting.
2: So <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good I think it's a good observation because there's a ton of people out there doing like game analysis and breaking down tactics and all that stuff right. and Some people are really, really good at it. But I think something at least that we've targeted is more of like a fan experience and just trying to be like, you know, how can we have fun have fun with this, you know?
3: Right, right. And that's it, it is lacking. I don't think people realize that. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of fans that experience things, but they're not doing a comprehensive job of showing the people who aren't there what it's like, which is what I'm trying to do to get more people to participate. Because you guys know how much fun, the, I mean, I don't know as if the Bailey's never been full, but it there will, there will be a time where it will be less fun when it's not full and you'll remember the days of when it was full and fun. I hope it always stays that way, but you've got to get people bought in and to, to have that visual before you get there is really helpful for some people.
1: Oh, trust me. the uh, The last crew in charge of FC Cincinnati, our last GM and coach, they were trying their best to make the Bailey not full. They were, <laughs> yes, they were doing literally everything in their power to make the Bailey not fun. So, yeah,
3: I feel that. And yeah. yet, you guys are enjoying freaking Acosta as Player of the Month. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank and, you for having. Yeah, enjoying by the way, thank you. Thank things. you so much. <laughs> you know the what? Best. I
3: I feel like he he needed to blossom somewhere. He was not blossoming here. So, you're welcome.
0: He did. He he took a, a couple of years to find himself in Mexico and he's come back a, a changed man. I know the Acosta from D.C. United days was like, you know, throwing temper tantrums and uh-huh. would get silly yellow cards. This Acosta wears the captain's armband. He puts the team on his on his shoulders. He's, you know, playing. He, he had his, you know, played through COVID symptoms. Yeah. I'm going to assume he wasn't still. Uh, you know <laughs> symptomatic or, or contagious but um no he was uh, he's he's really he's really formed into that player and no i think to your point about, about the vlogging and the fan experience like I think MLS in general does a really bad job of highlighting that. I know Chief in particular has had criticisms of, MLS's marketing is like, look, here's the crowd in Portland doing a neat thing and a flare, (laughs) and here's a faceless player kicking a ball. And it's like, MLS's appeal, if it's going to make it in the American sports world, is it has to be the in-stadium experience, the fact that watching soccer is more exciting than an NFL game, more exciting than a baseball right. game. Right. And it just does a terrible job of it. So I appreciate somebody like yourself who has actually gone out to like show like it's really fun to go to the Nashville tailgates and to go like explore these cool cities with interesting people and have a really great time in the stadium like that is just completely missing so yeah this right. is a, a tip of the cap to uh to the work you're doing and um oh, thank you yeah like this is this is what we need more of in american soccer
1: and, yeah and not just that too but the idea that like look like when you're a league like mls it's not the best soccer league in the world I, I love MLS, but we can all agree that, you know, there's better soccer elsewhere. What? That's not what I know, right? I know. What where? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I, I, I'm actually I've, heartbroken. I've never seen the NBC Sports Network before a peacock. I have no idea what you people are talking what about.
3: What is this EPL everyone keeps right. talking about? Is that like Ted Lasso or something? Yeah. But
1: what, what MLS does have in abundance is that the games are an absolute blast. Um right. especially the right types of games. And The content MLS should be pushing forward is A. Why is it fun to go to games? And then to your point earlier, Chris Wondolowski, apologist. I love Chris Wondolowski. Huge Chris Wondolowski fan. Not enough people talk about that he was in position to score that goal in the Belgian World Cup game when most American strikers that we've had over the years wouldn't even find themselves in position to miss the goal, much less, you know, anything else on that. But the idea of taking the players who we do have in this league, and we've got one in Cincinnati, Brandon Vasquez, who I've talked about at length in the past, and is he an EPL player? No. But you know what? There's no reason why he can't be a star player that people are excited to come out and watch here in the United States. There's no reason why. Is Chris Wondolowski good enough to start for Chelsea? Not even at the peak of his career, he wasn't, but Buying a ticket to see Chris Wondolowski in America was an absolute blast. He was one of the best people in this league at what he did. And MLS should celebrate that more. It should celebrate that we have entertaining players to watch in this country and that the games we go to are an absolute blast to go to in person. Much more fun than watching something on a streaming service at 9 in the morning. So I, I do think that that content is valuable for growing the game because... That's the only way MLS is going to be able to grow. They can't outspend Serie A or the EPL, but they can certainly make the game more appealing to people because it's local, it's fun, and there's people that you know who play on these teams. I think that's valuable.
2: Right. MLS players are really relatable too. Like Acosta has that kind of classic experience of, you know, growing up after he had kids and moved to Cincinnati. You know, and I think people can really, especially (laughs) in the fan base, can 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 appreciate that.
3: you know this reminds me i'll i'll make one one thought and that is what i think the league is doing right now and and where it's failing is it's trying to make us seem a lot cooler than we are my thing is i just want to embrace it for what it is yes yes the other thought that i had is there was i'm never gonna forget this there was a guy at some point a conversation was had i think it might have been charlie bame who had made that Tweet, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, about just how much sense it would make for someone like Messi to come to Cincinnati, to be able to enjoy life with your family relatively unbothered and have a, a very opposite experience of all the things that you don't like about being a superstar in Europe. And I I don't think he's I don't think he said Cincinnati specifically is what I'm remembering, but I do remember quote tweeting it and saying like, messy to FCC, this makes sense. Like <laughs> yes, live in, yes. live in obscurity.
2: Yeah. he's never been this he's never been to King's Island to guarantee it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a DM from somebody. They had to have been off their rocker in so many oh, ways. No. They said something about the rumor about Messi going to (laughs) FC Cincinnati had more truth to it than I realized at the time.
0: Wow. And
3: I was like, who is this? This is, of all the DMs I have received, this has to be the most unhinged, but it was said with the most, like, serious tone.
1: Now, if you and still have that DM, I believe you may have identified Jeff Burning's burner. What? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> that is Pre- precisely in my mind. I was like, this has got to be someone who ran into Jeff Burning at a party, <laughs> and maybe Jeff Birding was in Kids and like, oh yeah, messy to FCC, and yeah. and then that person was like, I will break this news. I will hold on to this forever. Birding mentions I will messy find it.
0: often. Like <laughs> it's a name he likes to bring up as like, we can recruit the world's best, like Messi. It's like, like God bless you, yeah, buddy.
3: <laughs> so that actually also reminds me that when I try to tell my non-soccer friends, Wanda was a great example. I um, had the pleasure of interviewing him last fall, and I had worked on it a couple months, just not because of how, how difficult it was, but because I was living on the opposite side of the country. Worked with the comms director to get the interview, flew out to San Jose, ended up sitting with him for almost two hours uninterrupted at PayPal park, which was incredible. Um, but I was trying to explain to a non-soccer friend just how amazing that was. And I felt myself, I felt, I felt so stupid the way that I was saying it to essentially say (laughs) it's like being able to interview Tom Brady. Because I knew it wasn't like interviewing. You're
2: like Chris Collinsworth, <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I knew that this guy shows up to season ticket member events, and that fifteen people are really excited to see him. And we even talked about his attendance at the ESPYS uh very co- closely after the twenty fourteen World Cup, and how he essentially just looked like some someone's younger brother that had been invited last minute like it's not Tom Brady but in my mind I was explaining to my friend I was like it is like Tom Brady for me that's how so, special it is So <laughs> just
1: doing the, just doing this podcast a couple weeks ago we interviewed a guy named Mitch Hildebrandt who was uh-huh. a goalkeeper for FC Cincinnati when we were all in the USL and his claim to fame is that he was in goal And he stopped, I think, three of the five or four of the five penalty kicks versus the Chicago Fire when we upset them in the U.S. Open Cup. And he's a person where outside of maybe the Hildebrand household and the Cincinnati area, (laughs) maybe a half dozen people know who he is. And I was so nervous to interview this guy over a Zoom call because I was like starstruck interviewing this guy who I had cheered for that yeah. I chanted. Mitch says no after he stopped kicks, and I was trying to explain this to my wife and a couple of my coworkers, and they looked at me like it's I had just like I like I'd fallen <laughs> off a truck and it hurt my head. And I was like, "You don't understand. I'm so nervous. I want to make sure this interview is good. Oh my I don't gosh. want Mitch to think I'm an idiot." Like it was yeah. objectively pathetic, but I had such a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: like it, it's almost like telling someone your make a wish is is him. It, it, it truly—it's it's the most embarrassing endeavor to to say that that person means that much to you. And my brother is the same. He he joined me on this on this journey to San Jose, and he loves Wando even more than I do. He's the whole reason why I love Chris Wondolowski. And you would have thought I was taking him onto a stage of in front of a hundred thousand people and telling him to like bear his soul in, in, in some sort of aria. He, he was just so nervous and I, I was palling around. I loved it. I had a great time. I think I do have that the benefit of kind of the act like you've been there before mentality, but it's just so wild to think MLS is one of those places where people who are so relatable to us who have, done the community college scene or who have have slept around at different division two II, division three colleges think of matt turner yeah. and and yet they they occupy such an elevated space in our brain it's such a weird very wwe style uh vibe to me <laughs> man chief
1: just chief just got real excited <laughs> oh
3: no is that another one of your passions <laughs> no it's a, th- there's
1: a, just a really strange overlap between pro wrestling fans and soccer fans that I find tremendously enjoyable um <laughs> yeah yeah so yes. where
0: where did the wando uh am I allowed to say obsession uh where where sure. where did the walaski uh uh interest uh start tell, tell us that story a little bit.
3: <laughs> so I I really love a like classic American tale and I think as we kind of progress more when you look especially at the men's national team landscape when we progress more towards these guys who have roots in America go abroad and then come back to to kind of play the superhero on our squad you don't get Wando stories very much anymore and so to me he represents one of the best and only stories of this league, if it goes the way we all hope it goes, of uh, perseverance, tenacity, um, just the absolute grind. And uh, anyone who lives in Ohio can also appreciate the relocation of the team from San Jose to Houston, and him coming back from that, and the hometown hero part of it all, and the fact that Truly, I don't think that his record will be touchable for a very, very long time unless we get to the point of like freak athlete because no one's going to be in the league as long as he was to score that many goals. And the even wilder part of it is he was on the earthquakes. He wasn't playing for Atlanta. (laughs) He wasn't playing for an LA team. He was on the most like just obscure non-important team but treated it I mean if you watched him before matches he did this weird uh, maybe weird isn't is not the word I want to use this very unique so entertaining ritual that was almost uh very emblematic of his Native American roots where he would just pour water on himself and, like, scream into the the equipment manager's face and get just, <laughs> like, complete craze look, like, craze look in his eyes and just be absolutely crazy. He'd get in ref's faces. He was that total poacher, just freaking cherry-picking on the back line, and, and everything about him was, like, this, like, hunter trying to survive. But then you're like, oh, you're at – um like a little expo game at, at Stanford's (laughs) stadium with 10,000 people there. And it's, it's family day. So everyone's there just enjoying their taco. The, (laughs) uh,
1: the, the pour water on your head and scream at the top of your lungs is also a great way to ensure no one sits next to you on a Southwest flight. Like if you just do that, (laughs) it's very intimidating. (laughs) So oh. do you think that do you think that the league maybe So MLS we're obviously hoping the league's on an upward trajectory. It feels like right. it's on an upward trajectory. Do you feel like the league is in danger of losing a little too much of its soul if it gets away from players like Chris Wandelowski? Where almost trying like to relate it to like, you know, back in the day when baseball and football players were a lot more relatable. And there wasn't as much of a focus on not, I don't want to say there wasn't as much of a focus on professionalism, but just that the athletes and the characters that made the league up were a little more relatable every day. Like there were like a little bit more of the, the, the urban folk hero thing versus now as leagues grow and expand that maybe you lose a little bit of that. Is that, is that something that maybe MLS is in danger of losing or is it just a phase MLS has gone through that was interesting and now moving into something different?
3: This is such an interesting question to ask. And baseball is a very interesting sport to relate it to because baseball and MLS are kind of going through the same thing right now where they're getting an influx of these Central American um, or foreign born MLS South American players. And and to me, I think, well, yeah, it does put the league in danger of losing a Chris Wondolowski story but for baseball it's adding personality where the personality has lacked and for major league soccer I think we are not we're not in danger in that we're gonna lose something and it'll be a bad thing I think because MLS will forever be rooted in just the um, kind of uh apple pie and and uh and baseball mentality, it does bleed over to MLS in that you've got say, for Cincinnati and some others. You've got like the San Jose earthquakes, the Houston dynamo, things that are just so quintessentially American obscure names, mascots, um, weird promo nights at stadiums that allow different (laughs) kinds of fans to participate. There will always be that element. And I don't think that that will change we are in danger of losing our um, uniqueness in that way if we keep trying to do things the way Europe does them. That's what annoys me. But the the influx of, of the of, of different South American players in MLS I absolutely love because we have now become not the retirement league that everyone talks about us being.'re we're, we're like the breeding ground for, some really really great uh, south american athletes and that i think ties us together with this the rest of the hemisphere um, in a way that it really hasn't so i like i like the way we're headed i just hate the the unif- the, the obsession with uniformity in yeah. the like united fc sc Et cetera, et cetera, because again it's to the point I made earlier we're not that cool we <laughs> might be but we're not that cool yet so stop trying to get us there in yeah. name only because um, that's what, really what you're doing you're really only getting us there in name only I mean think about how insane inner Miami would be if they were as great as they looked on paper <laughs> <laughs> they're yes. not no, they're that not to it. me, that's the thing that that puts us in danger of losing what I like about MLS is attempting to be something that we're not. But that that general shift to your point, maybe away from from the Wondolowski story, I will be an old, um, probably single, even quirkier woman telling people about like the day that I got to interview Chris Wondolowski, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like. All right, Grandma. <laughs> Let's get you to bed. <laughs> Can I wildly
1: switch topics here for a second? I, I want to go back to something that Cheyenne said earlier that I'm please. just fascinated by.
3: Oh, no.
0: Please. No, I, no, was no, no. To, I was about to do a hard pivot as well, so I'm glad you're doing okay, this. Good. So <laughs> I, I,
1: I absolutely, and I've, you've said it earlier in this interview, and it's stuck with me, and I just haven't been able to get it out of my head yet, with this idea that we are not cool as soccer fans in this country, <laughs> and I agree, we're dorks. We are. Oh, okay. I was like, Did I hurt your no, feelings? No, no, I'm no. Sorry. This <laughs> is <laughs> very <laughs> offensive. We are grown men and grown women that have somehow decided we're wearing scarves in the summer, and that that's yes. just a, nor- a completely normal thing to do. So, <laughs> yes. my question to you is is So much of MLS fandom, I think, and so much of American soccer fandom is is cosplaying as Brits and that we all show up and we pretend to be British for a couple of hours because reasons. What do you think we can do better in this country in terms of embracing the weirdness of being an American that likes soccer in order to make American soccer fandom more... American and just unapologetically, this is ours, we're creating our own thing. I love this question.
3: Okay. Where's my list of no, just-
1: <laughs> first on the list? I see you're looking at it as pro rel. That's interesting. Do you oh, want to expand?
3: <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Cheyenne has exited the chat. Um, <laughs> I no, I think that the supporters culture. Um Man, this is a really great question. <laughs> I'm going to try to answer it in the best, um, in the way that my pageant years taught me. As the floor as, is uh, yours. <laughs> yes, thank you. So I feel that supporter culture here is fantastic, but it gets the problem is that the people who keep it in in that type of of Brit cosplaying that you're t- that you're talking about are the ones that are gatekeeping and have, have been in charge of supporter culture for as long as the league has been around. And so some of these younger and, and different voices feel ostracized already in society and then feel ostracized even more when they try to participate because a lot of the pushback that they get, um, though under the guise of, of making sure that tradition is maintained, feels like it's a rejection of who they are. And so you've seen a lot of these supporters groups pop up to make sure that literally everyone of any um, sexual orientation, race, political ideology are, are able to participate fully and feel like they have a buy-in. I think fostering that from, a f- from the front office matters. I think fostering the diversity from the traditional OG supporters groups matter. I w- would say DC is not unique in the drama that they've had with supporters okay. groups, but some of the issues that they've had are that you've got, and I'm, I'm gonna say this with all due respect, the Generation X, um, respectfully, some of the most insufferable people I've ever met. <laughs> Please do not um, end this before I finish. My
0: oh, then that's time, um, folks. Is, I'm oh, so no. sorry. is anybody
2: here Generation X?
3: Are you guys like pushing forty-five and above? I hope not. I've, but Thank I but I don't want to make we're, any we're safe. assumptions. Yes. <laughs> no, we're working with like four eighty p over here. I didn't want. I don't want to make any guesses um, and then be wrong. But yeah, people people who are older who haven't moved out of the way and who are insistent on having this culture and tradition maintained at the expense of. Uh, a newer vibe or experience for some of these newer fans has been frustrating for me to watch with these original teams, DC. um, I've seen Philadelphia suffer from it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say sporting Kansas city has done a great job and they're an, an original team, but everyone obviously has their growing pains. And I know that they've gone through very similar situations. I think the commitment to the American, which is a tailgate, don't tailgate. So I, I would love to see teams continue, supporters do that and, and maybe teams continue to foster the ability to do that um, would be a great way to combat that. But I also think that the um, again, the diversity, I don't want to, oh, I hate I hate leaving DC and going on the road and then listening to another team to namemos their way through 90 minutes. It's the same freaking chant. I love that Portland has their own songs. I I will say I don't love that Portland went on that rant after they lost the cup to Atlanta about like what a real fan is. But I also don't <laughs> love that Atlanta made a freaking TIFO to honor Arthur Blank, you know, like it, multiple, there's just a lot multiple Arthur Blank, more defense. than one? Are you joking? I, at That's least
0: crazy. at least three. I yeah. I will. Yes, it's awful.
1: The best description <laughs> I've ever heard of Arthur Blank was that he looks like a Mater D at a waiter for, at a restaurant for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> what?
3: Yeah. No. I was thinking he looks like a. In my mind, I picture him as, as like a new age Monopoly man with a Southern twist and uh, several wives.
1: He was on the sideline too when Tom Brady had that great comeback when he came down from 28 to 3 because he'd come down to the sidelines thinking that Atlanta was going to win the Super Bowl and had to stand there as Tom Brady personally ripped his soul out live on national television. It's one of the most (laughs) compelling pieces of footage ever. They keep cutting back to Arthur Blank, progressively getting sadder and sadder as the Patriots come back.
3: (laughs) Woof. Woof um yeah I I that's not a full answer to your question I think I want to circle back let's circle back offline touch gloves later um (laughs) to business (laughs) jargon but I I want to think about that because that's an existential question because I I have to say one of the things that makes me nervous petitely so (laughs) when I am responding to my dms and building my community is that when someone and it's a very benign question but they always ask oh, what other leagues do you follow? And I grew up, like every girl my age, crushing on David Beckham. So obviously you liked Manchester United and kind of watching it and kind of participating in Premier League. But one of the reasons why I felt so strongly about starting Between Clean Sheets was because I was playing co-ed soccer um, on the Hill with a bunch of friends that worked in Congress who were like, yeah. I love Clint Dempsey. I love the men's national team. I love the world cup. I'm USA all the way, but I don't know. I had no idea Dempsey was coming here with the Sounders this weekend. No, I have no idea what MLS is about. No, I will absolutely get up at nine o'clock in the morning and go to the sticky freaking Irish pub down the street and have <laughs> terrible food and terrible beer to watch a team. I have no Emotional connection, too. And yes, I will attempt to flirt in the worst fashion possible to make some comment about how you're so lucky I'm talking to you, even though you're a Manchester United fan. I'm like, sir, you are from Lincoln, Nebraska. (laughs) Get out of my face. Like, none of these guys care.
1: This reminds me so me, much. Reminds me so much of the clip from Columbus when they had the U.S. men's national team there, and they were doing like man on the street interviews for local yes, TV. Yes, and somebody yes. said, "I wish we had a team here in Columbus. I could watch."
3: <laughs> I that broke my heart, but it also made me pray to God that that woman was handling her alcohol really well. I just I was like, please be hammered, please be hammered, please be so out of it please have just gotten like a really bad concussion but you're doing fine, (laughs) but you lost all memory of everything. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I hope that answered your question. I know it's not a full answer, but it, it will, it, it gives me pause and it's making me think.
0: I I appreciate you for it. If you come up with the answer, I feel like Don Garber would pay you pretty well for it because that's sort of the missing <laughs> link here.
3: I don't <laughs> think he can afford me, actually. Like, I will do like, some part-time consulting. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um,
0: oh, my gosh. I, I don't think I can get you out of here without asking about your shirt. Uh, very happy you're oh, wearing yes. an FC Cincinnati shirt. Uh, I know you've been to Cincinnati twice recently. Um I don't, I don't. know. Yes. You 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 teased you tease a story about this shirt. Where where where's this shirt coming from?
3: Okay, so I bought this from the very massively large club shop at TQL. One of the um, It's very the impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think at the time it was built, it was the biggest. So congratulations for that. Damn you, Austin. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's gotta. Somebody's gotta have something. Um, <laughs> So the, uh, the shirt I'm wearing says Cincy on it in orange and it's blue and it's got an outline of a soccer stadium. It was the cutest of the ones I could find. And I had uh, this plan and I love it when it works out this way. I'm so type A and so logistically minded that when I tell you, I found out on the schedule that DC would be playing at Cincinnati and then at Columbus a couple days later and the Southwest flights lined up and the, my schedule lined up, like my brain exploded. Like I, no one has ever gotten that excited for Ohio. I guarantee it. Um, Fair but, bet. Yep. Yeah. So the plan was go to the games, do some vlogging. I had that uh, little music video that I made in Columbus at map free slash historic stadium planned. And so I flew into Cincinnati and did not have a ticket for the game. That's usually my MO, is I wait until I get there. Nothing's ever gonna sell out. I don't mind paying a little extra for something secondhand. I always try to feel out the vibe. Thing is, I had toured TQL before it opened and Jeff Birding was on the tour. Very, very nice guy. And his daughter at the time was doing an internship out in DC. So we exchanged information so that I could provide some maybe professional guidance for her and just have somebody in D.C. That, that she knew and that met her dad that one time. So I get there, and I have his email, and I decide to email him and let him know that I'm coming out because, you know, he's super friendly. He's like, you ever find yourself in Cincinnati? I'm like, I will find myself in Cincinnati. <laughs> so I email him and let him know, and he's like, "Get take, take an extra seat we've got in his suite, is it the owner's suite i'm i'm not entirely sure
0: we wouldn't know
3: oh (laughs) bless your heart could be debated i'll I'll explain it um that the the guy is very he's very money-minded such that unlike most other owners who love the feeling of being at midline that suite is pushed all the way in the corner because I think it's that would be make it the cheapest of the suites, and would allow them to sell the other suites to companies people who are willing to spend money. And All if they were to, got gonna... Acosta,
1: so you know, <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> big money, little guy, big money. Um, so I ended up having one of those seats. The problem was to them; it was not a problem to me until I got there. That he had emailed me this this ticket when I had already left my hotel room for the day, had my stuff, was ready to go. And I was wearing a DC United jersey. So I didn't run into him until later on in the match. But there was a girl who was obviously there to make sure everyone was having a good time, worked for the team. And she pulled me aside and was like, would you mind terribly going and buying a shirt and changing and in my (laughs) mind I was like I would mind terribly actually (laughs) but I wanted to be a team player because I didn't my thing is I want to be so very respectful of the people who allow me to participate in these opportunities and one way in which I think maybe I am uh on the side of the of the European tradition is that I'm not going to roll up to a supporters section and wear the opposing team's gear. That's just a douche move. Um, <laughs> pardon <you>. the expression. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel that way even in the club level at Audi Field because, it, it, yes, most of the seats are corporate. Most of these people are just excited for their one team because they love repping their hometown. Because no one that lives in DC seems to be from here, and so when when like their their team comes, like I just want everyone to know. But I'm from this town. Like, everyone <laughs> needs to know. So I, I, that does get on my nerves. And, and I had no intention of doing that. So I did comply. I went, I got a t-shirt. I changed in the, in the bathroom and I came out. And I also will say that my, my hope for the league and the, all the work that I'm doing for Between Clean Sheets and all the things that I care about behind, all the reasons why I do my content and all the reasons why I care about the league will always supersede my fandom of a particular team. And so sometimes I get in arguments with people who are like, when they always say F the Red Bulls at DC United Games, and I'm I'm not like 100% on board with it, I always want to respond, like, first of all, the Red Bulls aren't even here. Like We're, we're playing Nashville, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> um, but second of all, like I wasn't around for that rivalry. Third of all, you can tell how our team feels about it. We played the Red Bulls in the open cup and we fielded our B team. So like clearly there's something off. Whatever you're holding on to is fine, but I never had it to begin with. So I'll let it come as it does. So I, I did um I have worn other teams gear and and I don't mind doing so. There's nothing about this t-shirt that makes me feel like I'm a traitor to my own team. I give several thousand dollars to DC United as part of a, my season ticket member package. And I I did feel like given the situation, it was kind of just like a little a nice little thank you. Like Jeff <laughs> gave me this ticket for free. I'm going to spend some money, stimulate the little FCC economy, and then put this shirt on. The funny thing though was Uh, None of this was funny to this point. But the funny thing about it was I did have a little bit of an attitude about it. I could tell because I never took the tag off that night. (laughs) (laughs) I like kept the tag in the back. And when I got back to my hotel, I was like feeling something itchy. And I thought, oh, yeah, I had every intention of returning this, actually. <laughs> and i somehow forgot <laughs> so so now i have it and i love it and this will be respectfully the only orange and blue schemed shirt i will ever own because despite the universe saying these are complimentary colors i think they're really freaking ugly (laughs) whoa
1: (laughs) i'm sorry you've (laughs) you've just made all one of the new york mets fans that listen to this podcast very upset
3: oh god bless (laughs) those speaking of insufferable people
1: (laughs) they're in town
2: today right
3: oh yeah they are yeah Well, oh, the thing gosh. I was going to say, I have been talking forever, but the thing I'll say that I love about Cincinnati, um, selfishly, my tour of TQL has some of my best views on YouTube. Um, I I love the pre-match festivities that go on. I forget the name of that park. Y'all can remind me. Washington, Washington Park. Washington yeah. Park. Oh, of course. Um, I love the festivities <laughs> that go on there. I love the blend of rowdy hooligan with um when they're not sparklers what's it called smoke we'll call it smoke yeah. rowdy hooligans with smoke and scarves and drums meets families who are enjoying their afternoon but then they all blend together and they all just go into the stadium together it's such a cool it's such a cool vibe because I think about it from my brother and sister in law's perspective, who used to be that rowdy, but now have kids and live in the yep. suburbs of Atlanta. There's still a place for both of those kinds of people, and that uh, is is just a nice. It's a comforting feeling knowing that whatever stage of life you're in, as an FC Cincinnati fan, you can still participate to the fullest. You know, yeah, those people aren't
2: blending at my section because I have club seats. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, so and you know it, the club, but you don't know the suites. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's always a bigger fish.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh I'm like, my gosh. shoot, I'm writing Jeff about this right now.
1: <laughs> and, and it's it's funny too that like you talk about what is what's going to make American soccer, and I honestly think sometimes we're not going to know the answer to that until it is you know your brother-in-law and raising his kids, and right. what does the next generation of fan look like where they grow up in a world never knowing a life without FC Cincinnati or DC United or MLS. And you get that generational fandom and they're the ones that are going to tell us all how this works because we had to copy somebody else because we had no frame of reference. They're going to be born into this and create the story uniquely themselves. where They know nothing else other than a world where America has soccer. And that's, that's truly where I think MLS is going to take that next step.
3: It, that means, though, in that story that I'm going to be the insufferable 45-plus-year-old being like, in my day, games yes. were on ESPN 14 preempted by Cornhole in 780p. Yeah,
2: we'll be that, but not as soon as you as you think we're going to be
3: that. Right. Yeah. We're oh, all man. comfortably
1: millennials yeah. here. What did the Rolling Stones say? Hope I die before I get old. Yes. Yeah.
3: Wait. Please.
0: Please. Um, no, that was that was great, uh, Shan. I don't I don't know if we have any anything else for you here, uh, but I don't want to get out of here without you plugging your your spots. Where can people find you? Where Where can people find more great content? like this uh what do you got coming out soon well,
1: ho- hopefully better content than this because it'll just be cheyenne
3: to be clear <laughs> no the, i i have absolutely loved this conversation um, because it's very thoughtful and i appreciate you guys for that the less thoughtful um <laughs> and maybe unfortunately more of my face content is available <laughs> on uh instagram twitter TikTok all BTWN clean sheets, and then YouTube is between clean sheets. And I have so, uh, have grown such a great, engaged, and, and friendly community of people. And I absolutely invite anyone listening to slide into my DMs with more messy content. So, <laughs> 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 please, Lord, give it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I, I agree. this is this was a really fun conversation and uh, I definitely want to say thank you uh, for coming on. I know uh, I don't know we're we're I mean, we're unknowns within unknowns within unknowns here. So I appreciate you uh, joining us and uh, having a great conversation. This was a ton of fun.
3: Yeah, of course. thank you for having me. again, you guys enjoy your your evening. <laughs> For your
0: Thank day. You. enjoy your day enjoy Whichever. your
1: 2022 whatever time you're listening to this enjoy <laughs> it <laughs> have fun with it
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> awesome thanks oh wonderful wonderful conversation hopefully you enjoyed that but part three and i think the only thing we have to talk about here um Although, I, I'll throw out there, Miami doing some, some budget nonsense again. And, uh, man, it'd be nice to be a, an exotic luxury uh, market in no MLS. You seem to get to play by whatever rules you decide to make up. But, uh, no, we, we threw it out there. We wanted to get people's questions to the pod. We'll, we'll ask a couple of questions here. Um I do not have an answer for this one. I have a suspicion that Grayson has this well prepared. Uh, Richard asked us if we have a Mad Men starting eleven. Uh, Grayson, <laughs> do do you have a quick Mad Men starting eleven here? He just flashed his phone to the Zoom call here. What do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, had
2: a, I had a little trouble with this one, but here's here's what I came came up with. Okay. Uh, Don is obviously the number 10. He's the creative director of the agency. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Roger, I'm I'm starting at number 9 because he's a deal closer. Um, Pete is a second striker, mainly to flop around and draw fouls. Um, <laughs> Peggy, I'm putting at uh, 6 because as like kind of a def- dependable anchor in the midfield, uh, sure. playing right behind Don. Um, Joan is a box-to-box midfielder, double entendre. Uh <laughs> Paul Kinsey is my left wing back because he's constantly, you know, shifting positions and identities, playing, you know, front, back, and center. Um, <laughs> Michael Ginsberg is left, center, back. You know, you can't deny the talent, but you want to keep him in a position where he's, like, not running the show. Um, I do think he's going to have some David Luis, David Luis tendencies back Ooh, yeah, there, yeah, a little yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. Um, Burt Cooper in the center of the defense, you know, sees all the angles, putting out the fires before they start. The wily veteran, but not a a ton of mobility there. Um, And these two always have to play together. I got Bobby Barrett as the right center back and her husband, Jimmy Barrett, as the right wing back. Because you want Jimmy's flair and creativity, um, but you need Bobby to cover for him and keep the house organized. Um, And then my goalkeeper is uh, Anna Draper. Uh, She's probably the most dependable character on the show. And has always been there to, you know, bail out Don when when needed. Wow.
1: Is this a bad time to reveal I have never seen an episode of Mad Men in my life?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's, it's, there, it's, there's, I had a friend of mine who, it was about this show specifically, said, I am never going to watch this show. I'm not going to watch Mad Men until I can go six months without someone asking me if I've watched Mad Men. And every <laughs> time somebody asks me, it's like the clock resets. It's been like this yeah. long without an accident. And he's volunteering
2: having- volunteering the information without being asked does not count as being asked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also haven't watched uh, Breaking Bad ever. I've never watched oh. an episode of Breaking Bad either.
0: Oof. I don't know. Breaking Bad is really high up there. I, if nothing else, enjoying Breaking Bad unlocks Better Call Saul, which at this point might be the better of the two shows, and that's really enjoyable. I quite like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Hender is how I'm going to uh, pronounce their name. They asked, is the stress level associated with being a good team a fair trade-off for the success we've seen in 2022 or do we need to be slightly better to make the stress levels worth it? I have my own thoughts here, but chief, what's your answer here?
1: There is absolutely nothing that could possibly be worse than what we experienced from 2020 from 2019 to 2021.
0: I'll take this stress all the time. Give me
1: this every day. Like I I was in the I was in the Bailey, in the Barley for the NYCFC game, and the range of emotions I experienced in that game, give me that a thousand Mm. times out of a thousand. I want to feel something. And I felt nothing but just just crippling apathy. At the end of the Camp administration. Yes. And with those games with Tyrone Marshall, who God love him, uh, oh. I just didn't give a shit. I was, just, yeah. I was mentally checked out on this team. I was angry. Um, I want to feel. And the, the stress, give it to me. Give me a double dose. Give me a triple dose. Give it to me in a hypodermic needle and let me shoot it directly into my fucking arm.
2: <laughs> I was I- exhilarated after the NYCFC game. Yeah, I stayed up till like one thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, like I got home and I'm like said to my wife, "Hey, let's just go sit outside and drink for for like two more
1: hours." (laughs) Right? Yeah, gotta decompress. (laughs) No, it's the the third, not after the third goal, but after Celentano saves that PK in the NYCFC game. We're up three 0 Celentano has just saved a PK on on an undeniably great PK save. He did what I love is when the keeper holds the back leg straight out to to cover for the fact that he's diving in one direction in case someone goes front, center, straight down Route 1. And in that moment, that was the happiest I have been at an FC Cincinnati match since we went up 2-0 on Red Bull in the Open Cup. Where, at that moment, I was already mentally making a checklist of people. I was going to go start dunking on, online. (laughs) I was going to be Fucking insufferable after that game. <laughs> I was ready to call both of you and say, we need to record an emergency podcast right now after this game. I would just so that I that. can start it's- calling people out for <laughs> doubting this team, for doubting Chris Albright, for doubting uh, Pat Noonan. I was going to make up shit people had said just to go after people. <laughs> I want that. That's worth it. It is worth it to 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 feel that so that you can know that your enemies have to experience watching you be joyful. And that's what I want out of this team.
0: Yes. I'll say for myself, um, the table is super fucking tight. Like Columbus is like a game in hand and like three points away from leaping us or whatever. I have no clue if the table was this tight the last three years. I just genuinely have no frame of reference here because I was only worried about not finishing in dead last and we always did, right? So like... I love having to like watch a random Orlando match and really hoping that someone like Houston beats them so that the the points leave the Eastern Conference and we can we can maintain our playoff position for one more week. Fuck yeah. This is this is what it's all about. Like this is the fun part.
2: I'm still not going to watch MLS <laughs> but I still just love I like man going to the games is a, is just a different experience than <laughs> yes. than, than it's ever been here. There's- and frankly I'm including that in USL because we've been hardened Ooh. by the last 3 years. Ooh, yeah. And so the come up from from the from what we were to where we are which is not even going to be, you know, our height hopefully even in the near future. Yes. Um just the difference in that is, is night and day, and I love going to the games now.
0: Yes, yes. Hey. I, I suspect the atmosphere is only going to get better as the season goes on. Uh, next question is from Todd Carnes. He said, when am I on the pod? And I'll tell him when the next Supporters Summit is. That's when you can come out, Todd. B. Uh, Bbermo3 asks, Brenner is now a political candidate. Tell me why you support his campaign or why you oppose it. Bonus points if you can involve an NCAA conspiracy theory. Uh, Grayson, do you have an answer here? Okay, I do. I do have an answer. I missed Good. the
2: NCAA conspiracy theory part. So That's fine. Let's try to I work can. it in on the fly. Yeah. Let's see if I can get there. Okay. So, and look, it takes no. It takes. It gives me no joy to report this. Oh, no. but oh no but the 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 best analogy i could f i could find for brenner is is donald trump okay. <laughs> um not 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 personally okay but he's he's got a he's got a rabid fan base and okay. he has not delivered you know anything that was promised sure. and yet people have woven these elaborate conspiracy theories about. All the things behind the scenes that are working against him and conspiring for, for, (laughs) you know, why he's not delivering. And well, actually, he's working really hard behind the scenes. You just can't see it and you just wait. Right. And that's, that was, that was the Trump administration. Right. So then, but then you're like, well, what about the five goals? And again, I'm sorry, but the five goals are Roe v. Wade.
0: the five the five votes were delivered
2: yeah i'm not saying yes. i'm not saying it's good okay but he delivered i want to stress yes. that i'm not saying it's good <laughs> but he has delivered what his you know conspiracy theorists have 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 wanted
1: so in this analogy does that make q uh
0: yes ye- i mean or newsmax i don't know exactly how this works yeah. so
2: you- maybe she's she's like tucker
0: yeah yes yes
2: I, and look again no yep <laughs> again no judgment on anybody i'm not saying it's all morally equivalent right i'm just saying it rhymes
0: <laughs> this is george lucas writing and i love it uh, <laughs> chief did you did you have brenner as political candidate
1: Uh, Brenner is political candidate. How would I pitch his candidacy? Uh, I would first start by saying, if I were Brenner, that Brenner, at the very least, is among the least likely people in Cincinnati politics to take a bribe for a development deal. So I think (laughs) he's got that going for him.
0: True, true. Independently Um, wealthy, yep.
1: If he was going to take a bribe for a development deal, his lack of proficiency with English would probably make it less likely he'd be caught by an FBI informant. So I think makes, he's got that going for him.
0: Makes the case harder, at least, yeah.
1: I'm told he has a steady girlfriend, which means it's less likely he'd have shown up at a party with, like, 15-year-old women. So I think that's probably a, a benefit for Brenner as well. Um, I think what I... I advised people that run in local political circles that the key to winning any political election is to make blanket statements about things that you have no control over. So I had a friend <laughs> who was running for... Um, I don't want to say where, but he was running for a, a local city government position in one of the small municipalities here in the Hamilton County area. And I told him that his yard signs that he puts up should just have his name and then no Obamacare. <laughs> as if he has any control over whether or not that happens in the municipality he lives in. Or like his name, bring our troops home. As if like, <laughs> he can do that too. And then people driving by are like, well, yeah, I, I support that, too. It's like, I'm well, into that, yeah. He's not really, <laughs> really going to do that as the fiscal officer of a municipality with 10,000 people, but they don't need to know that, so fuck it. Oh. So if yeah. I'm endorsing a Brenner candidacy, I would say, you know, Brenner, fight inflation.
0: <laughs> I'm into it. I'm, although we do kind of want to root for inflation with Brenner. I could really use like a $50 million transfer fee with Brenner. That would be really nice. I'd really um, like to
1: keep affording tickets though. So, <laughs> uh,
0: I'll say my, my version of Brenner in my mind is he's a pro-life liberation theology, like seventies style uh, Brazilian leftist where it's like, Roe v. Wade inspired him, obviously. That's why he scored so many goals since the decision came down. But like, he's not—he's not like your your evangelical born again. He's like, you know, he's got that that, that Brazilian left wing sort of. Uh, uh, Oscar Romeo, do I have that right? I th- I'm probably butchering the name there, but uh, the streak there. So, yeah, no, that's that's my Brenner. I don't know Brenner's politics, but that's my Brenner in my mind. So, I I,
2: I just want to throw out I, that that was like an incredibly fucked up thing that happened, and I didn't expect the team to make a statement. But it would have been nice to for them to have made a statement. Like I'm on the record as pro woke. I don't want to get I don't want to get sidetracked with it, but. I'm well, pro. I'm pro woke capitalism. There's, there's
1: about 20 minutes of unused audio from the last postcast episode. where We talked about this. Then all looked at one another and was like, "Yeah, we probably don't need to go there on this. Pro- probably yeah. doesn't
0: need to be here. Uh, right? But yeah, I'll I'll co-sign Grace in there. Um, can I can I bring can I bring the mood down for a second? I'd love a quick breakdown of Gam Tam Generation Adidas etc. Followed soccer my entire life. Still don't understand this. I'll take a crack at this, and then Grayson, if you want to edit my comments. um, It's better to think of MLS as having a salary budget than a salary cap. You have a budget that you can spend on players, and there are certain monies that you get that don't count towards your charge. Think of this as like cashing your pocket when you're charging everything to your credit card. Anything you're paying with cash isn't hitting the credit card. Not saying you're not spending it, but it's not hitting your credit card statement, right? That's what Gam and Tam is. Gam lets you spend it on anybody. Tam lets you exp- spend it on the super expensive players. Yeah, that's that's a general idea there. Generation Adidas, this is a... Uh, uh, a high high reward, low risk contract. If you're a college player, you can sign a contract with Adidas. You're guaranteed a high guaranteed salary for three years, but uh, you can't make more than that. Ask Frankie Amaya about that. He thought he outperformed his contract, got mad, and went somewhere else to get it. Uh, the nice thing there is again doesn't touch your credit card. A generation of Adidas contracts aren't going to touch your uh, aren't going to touch your, uh, your your credit card statement designated players they touch a credit card statement a little bit that's how those guys work there and uh homegrown players that come out of your academy you don't have to pay for them out of your out of your budget either so there you go that's mls rush rules in a, in a nutshell and if you need exact numbers you can google it yourself and uh, that'll get you pretty far teams get i think it's about eight million dollars per team plus or minus for a budget and uh yeah that'll get you pretty far
1: the best explanation I've ever heard for MLS rules is that MLS has a salary cap and everything else beyond the salary cap for MLS salary rules are ways that you can break the salary cap. Yes. So yes. it's really hard to think of this league as a capped league because there are so many different exceptions and ways to spend around it that what is when they talk about TAM and GAM? Well, it's money that is specifically there For you to break the salary cap when you sign players what is a designated player a designated player they used to call these the larry bird rule players in the nba but they are players where his entire contract breaks the salary cap and you just don't even have to think about it what is a generation adidas player it's a player that breaks the salary cap because his salary doesn't count against your cap under 22 initiative what's the benefit there it's a way to break the salary cap so at a really base level MLS has a salary cap that's total bullshit and a lot of really, really fucked up rules designed to help you ignore the salary cap.
0: Yes, yes. And and the goal here is somewhat parody, but it's largely to just let cheap owners be cheap and still be kind of competitive. Like, there's, there's still a way for you to spend your way to titles, but you can also cheap your way out into the playoffs. And in a weird knockout tournament anything's possible, and so you can do okay. Uh, The best teams in MLS, though, are the ones that do all of the above really good. Uh, Seattle has, like... Their entire starting eleven has been acquired by like every single version of an MLS role. They've got guys out of academies. They've got designated players. They got U twenty two guys. They got guys they traded for. They got guys they they drafted. They got guys they signed from USL. They've got guys that they brought back on the reentry draft part two day whatever. Like they're really good at working all of these angles, and that's why having an MLS guy or gal is useful in your MLS team. And that's why guys like Albright and Noonan are more likely to be successful than someone like Nykamp because they're just more familiar with all of these weird different versions of player acquisition rules. So, Grayson, how did I do? How did we do here?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to do like a a quick – Yes, uh, explanation yes. of any of it but I think <laughs> so I think you did the the best thing you could do which is just kind of like explain the concept behind it all yeah and you know if if I mean I don't recommend anybody does this but like if you're interested in a specific category of allocation money like targeted allocation money or general allocation money or what's going on with the you know how to homegrown players hit the cap and all that you know MLS has a roster Roster rules and regulations page that you can you can read and use as a guide Um, but it's you know there's still even with that there's still enough like that's opaque about it that it's you know you're not really going to be proficient in it unless you essentially work for the league and have access to, like, everybody's books and everything.
1: I have a working they, theory that being a board game enthusiast really helps you understand MLS rules. Probably, so.
2: yeah. Yes. Yes, it's the
0: same kind of instinct. Or if you're really good at, like, micro payments in a mobile game where you're used to balancing three different currencies. It's like, all right, I've got the real dollars I've paid. I've got the gold gems. I've got the, uh, I've got my green gems. And if I, if I spend these in these directions, I can afford all of these things.
2: Um, yeah, I guess one thing I would, one thing I would add is that there's like, there's two big numbers when it comes to player costs. And by costs, I mean, you know, transfer fee plus compensation. And it's the, $612,500 612500 and 1612500 So $612,500 is the maximum budget charge for a player. So anybody who makes more than that, you're going to need to do something, use one of the mechanisms to get their budget charge below that. So if they're, you know, you can use allocation money, for example, to, to quote unquote buy down a player's contract below that number. Um, a player who makes more than one million six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred and that's salary plus amortized transfer fee over the guaranteed term of the contract cannot be bought down with allocation money and needs to be a designated player
0: yeah yep i think that's as clean as an explanation that you're gonna get it's still kind of messy so <laughs> that's, that's as good as we can do for you um you guys, I, I don't know who goes first in your your average criminal trial. I was in mock trial for, first. for three years, but um, I, I, I need a prosecution and I need a defense. Uh, this question from Ken asks, you're in court. You must defend the MLS roster rules. I'm going to assume from a Euro snob who, who is uh, suing the league to open up the books to be more like Europe. Give me your opening statement on why they are properly uh, implemented and, and vice versa. Why? Why these uh, arcane D and D, drunk D D rules should be uh, should be overturned?
1: All right. Well, I'll step to the plate and Please. I, I will. <laughs> I'll defend MLS on this one. So, if I was giving an opening statement on this, if I were a lawyer, um, I would start off by saying to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury: <laughs> Imagine, if you will, the largest city in your country with a soccer team. And that soccer team plays in a soccer league. And because it's the largest city, it has the most resources. And it wins the league. Not once, not twice, but ten years in a row. Oof! I'm talking about a very real place. I'm talking about the Bundesliga where Bayern Munich has won ten straight Bundesliga champions. Oof. I'm going to ask you to envision another league. Possibly the most popular soccer league in the world. Where the champion of the league is owned by an out-of-extranational, an an multinational corporation that just runs football teams around the world, financed by some of the shadiest people you would ever want to meet. I'm talking, of course, about Man City and City Football Group, the Korean champions of the EPL. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason MLS has the rules it has is to prevent what we have seen all over the world where the outcome of the league is predetermined. It is as predetermined around the world as it is in the World Wrestling Federation, in AEW, it's no different. You know at the start of the year which teams have a chance, which teams don't. Instead, I'd like to direct your attention to the most successful sports league, in my opinion, in the world, the National Football League, which has rules and regulations in place designed to give every team a chance, where your failure and your success doesn't rise on the uh, the size of your pocketbook, but the intelligence that you bring to the table, the know-how, and the experience that you have in building rosters and winning, where everyone is on an equal playing field, where everyone is on an equal, uh, an equal opportunity. We're not guaranteeing equality of outcome. We're guaranteeing equality of opportunity that doesn't exist in Germany, that doesn't exist in France, that doesn't exist in Italy. It's a uniquely American concept where your know-how makes you rise to the top, not the status that you were born into. And what's more American than that for an American soccer league, a league that was born from the idea that you rise and fall by how well you do, how successful you are, how hard you work, how much you know, and not who you're financed by.
0: Oof! Blistering. That was some solid defense there, uh, Grayson. Is there a uh, is there a rebuttal argument here?
2: So. So I, I, would not. I'm not going to try to top. I'm not going to try to top that. First of all, okay. But since, the, so the question <laughs> <Sure> specifically <enough. laughs> asked us to defend the MLS rules, right? right. So I want to point out that it means that we don't have the burden, right? <laughs> you have to come. You have to come to the table with a better system. Ooh. And if I was delivering, you know, a, an opening statement for the defense in this situation, I would say something. Not quite as eloquent, but very similar thematically to what Chief just delivered. But I would add a few things. Ooh. I would throw out a picture of a, a news article about Bordeaux potentially being relegated down to the fifth division due to financial problems. Sure. Throw a picture of uh, you know something with, something to do with Manchester City holding the trophy next to the uh, net spend um, yeah. compared to you know the other teams in the Premier League. And I would close with just a blank slide, and I would say, "This is a picture of every MLS player who has missed a paycheck."
0: Damn! <laughs> Damn! I was expecting a crying child somewhere in this slideshow, but I like where you went with it. I think e- with and, and either think-
1: with either one of these statements, like both of us are getting tackled by Ted Westervelt before we even get like halfway through this. I think. So, so the point, the point with the with the so to kind
2: of step outside a little bit. The feature of the MLS roster rules and you can like, you know, you can tinker with, with this rule or that rule, right? Yeah. But the idea is that you have, you have tight controls on owners to keep everybody from the same page, but it's super complicated to build in the flexibility that if somebody has an interesting idea, or wants to do something that's good for the league, they can go back to the league and they can say like, well, I want to do this. All right. Well, we'll all, but we're all, you get buy-in from everybody else, right? Right. Rather than somebody taking risks on their own, going rogue and either way outpacing the others or doing something, you know, very, very rash and exposing the league to, to, to financial
1: yeah. problems. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the MLS rules, the MLS rules if we you really want to go inside the bit a little bit. The MLS rules are a direct response to the old NASL 1.0 that existed in the 70s and the 80s where the goal was to spend as much money as possible as quickly as possible on the idea that if we bring over aging stars who most Americans in that era had never heard of prior to the internet and cable television, but if we bring over aging stars that we can elevate the quality of play quickly. And the only thing that happened was that all these teams went into receivership and went bankrupt because they were spending money faster than they could make it. So MLS is designed from the ground up to Grayson's last slide point, that it's designed from the ground up to prevent the league from failing financially. And it's done a great job at that. And the issue with MLS is not the rules. The issue with MLS is just simply that the salary cap and the salary spends aren't high enough. All of the rules that MLS has would produce a fantastic league if you raise payrolls ten times. If you just multiplied the amount of money being spent by ten, you would have a league instantly that was competitive with the top three leagues in Europe. And the only other thing that really is holding MLS back, and it's nothing they can fix, it's that they don't play Champions League football in MLS. If there was some magic wand you could wave, and we invented the Star Trek transporter where movement was instantaneous between continents, and you could make MLS a league that had access to Champions League, it would open an entire new pathway of players for whom playing Champions League and winning Champions League is second only to playing for their national team at a World Cup. And other than that, the rules are fine. It's just spend more money and it'll take care of a lot of other problems.
2: Yeah, and I, and if you get rid of the roster rules, it's not like the spend is gonna is gonna you know grow ten times on its own. No, you know maybe a couple of teams spend a little bit more than they are, but that doesn't really seem to me to be the type of thing that takes the league on a great leap forward. You know, and it's it's the the total spend that you're looking at, right? Because you could as as chief. Said You could have a league like the NFL or the NBA that have, you know, real tight roster rules, but spend at a high level and have a very high quality of play and maintain parity, which I think, I think all things being equal, right? You'd rather have a Premier League with parity that has Premier League quality soccer than a Premier League where Man City runs away with it.
0: This is this is the Super League debate, right? Like, the Super League makes sense in a world, because they the Super League, a lot of people forget, had salary caps, had all sorts of restrictions on teams and whatnot, because, yes, they wanted that parity. It's when you introduce the concept of promotion and relegation that you basically, and this is one of Chief's points, is that you can't prevent a team from maintaining their financial position, which it, is like, you can't tell somebody you can be relegated and won't let them spend them away. Won't let them spend their way out of relegation. Basically. I
1: also, I, I also, to, to that point, I firmly believe that the only reason why people defend the promotion and relegation system around the world is that they simply haven't experienced life without it. I, mm. I just, I can't, if you're offering me a choice between my team that I root for, that I support, has an actual shot to win the league or a promotion relegation system where there's all this weird up and down and everything like that. You, What is the point, legitimately, what is the point of being a fan of Luton Town? The only reason to be a fan of Luton Town is the weird hope that some rich oil family in the Middle East will buy your club, inject hundreds of millions and billions of dollars into it, and buy your way to the top. You're basically rooting to become Newcastle, is what you're basically doing. You spend your entire life in, in, the, in English football rooting for the fairy godmother to come in the form of some horrendously morally gray figure with you know oil spilling out of their pockets and blessing you with enough money to compete. But I, in, in this country, that doesn't fly. So what all the pro-rel people just get wrong about, the pro-rel system, is that in this country, when you're no good and you've got no chance of winning – or winning at a meaningful level, that makes you Akron in college football, or it makes you Ohio University, where people that are diehards care about it, and the rest of us stay at home and watch Ohio State or watch Alabama, because those are the teams that have a chance to win. And I can't fathom a world where if you offered people parody elsewhere, they wouldn't take parody over parody, which is what Premier League has become in terms of sporting merit.
0: Oof. Oof. I I do... That's, I think, the trick here, is you need to be able to thread the needle of more parity than the EPL offers. But I do think something that the promotion relegation gives you that a closed league can't is to the same point of, like, what's the point of being a Lutontown fan? What's the point of being a Tampa Bay Rowdies fan? And maybe there isn't. Maybe we're okay with Miami and Orlando cutting up the, the Florida market. But I do... I mean, maybe I'm an idealist, but I do like the idea of every major city and minor city getting their professional team and it mattering. I don't know how you make those games matter other than promotion and relegation, but, but some way make... to make that matter. Tampa, Tampa Bay
2: you... matters because they can win the USL trophy.
1: I mean, you win, You but can win I want the league year <laughs> And also, like, how does, how does, like, okay, so you can be promoted to do what? To be a punching bag to Man City, and then all your fan base prays for is a 17th, an 18th, uh, what is it, 17th place finish that you yeah. stay out of relegation? So all you do is you get the ever-living tar beat out of you for a year, and you try to finish 17th to stay up one more year, where your reward is getting the tar beat out of you again for another fucking year and praying to finish in 17th place. And then if you do that enough, eventually you become Everton. Where uh, this year aside, you're not really a threat to be relegated, but you're also never gonna win the fucking league. Like what it, Oh, that's not In that's not fairness,
0: sports. again, to defend the the pro rail system. This past season, the most fun as an Everton fan. Like, yes, it was you know, you don't wanna see your team relegated, but yes, it was the first time Everton mattered. Not in a way I would have preferred, but it was the first time they'd mattered.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I I, I I don't wanna, you know, Denigrate the experience of being like a Luton Town fan or whatever, because you know there's all things like history and culture and yeah, all that stuff them, that comes into play. But <laughs> we have a strong uh, following in Luton. <laughs> okay. But uh, but like for me, you know, I I go to the, I I like going to the stadium. I like being around the crowd. I like you know seeing my friends and everybody. But ultimately, I want I I want my team to win. And for me, the point of the game. Is for the team I root for to win, and so you know I think a, a system with with parity across the league, a system where you have a chance to win, is a is a better system. Um, and I think that probably a bigger problem with with MLS is um, it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with the um, with the with the roster rules. Um I don't feel like they're getting nearly what they should get out of the academy system. Mm.
1: Now a pro rel enthusiast would tell you that the reason why the academy system is broken is that with so few academies that there's not that if there was a pro rel system, Tampa would have an academy, Phoenix would have an academy, Omaha would have an academy. But they can and, just
2: do that if there's a market for American players. They
0: I will say to the pro rel argument detriment that USL actually has a pretty good academy system and they're starting to sell players to Europe and it's it's yeah. becoming successful.
1: I mean so. arguably the bigger issue this is another this is a weird tangent to go off on is the lack of solidarity payments in the American academy system and that yep. clubs aren't academies aren't properly compensated for players that eventually make it elsewhere which is kind of how they function everywhere else in the world. But I think there's like a significant labor law problem with that that I haven't read too deeply into. Um, So that doesn't work here. That works elsewhere in the world.
0: Yeah, MLS has agreed to pay solidarity payments internationally, but not domestically. And I believe it was Crossfire, Starfire, one of those academies in uh, Seattle sued the Sounders for their solidarity payment when they sold Yedlin. And I believe the Sounders won on that argument, that it was essentially like, if we pay you for this, it's retroactively paying you for the labor of an 11-year-old. And that that doesn't fly in the U.S. Something along those lines, anyway. Um, or I could have just made all that up. You'll never know. That's hard to Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Gentlemen, I think that's gonna do it for uh episode nineteen of the postcast. We're we're coming in on twenty episodes. This has been exciting. Who would have thought we'd be here, huh? Not me. Nope. I really thought ten episodes in this would have crashed and burned. We would have pissed somebody off and this would have gone way south. So uh oh,
1: give it another episode. <laughs> we'll get there eventually.
0: Soon. Uh, no, that's that's all I got. Uh, final word, Grayson, Chief. What do we got? Let's get out of here.
2: I'm looking forward to the edit of this episode.
1: Me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to not doing the edit. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll see how much Star Trek and uh, and, and other how, stuff and how much other stuff makes it to the uh, to the final ear holes of our listener. Uh, other than that. Enjoy, have fun. We're out of here.
3: Goodbye. See you. <laughs>